When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it's Adam again. Welcome to Sound Sleep. I am very excited to share that Sound Sleep, the premium feed, is now available. For less than $1 a week, you get bonus episodes, ad-free early releases, and you get to support this podcast. It's super simple, and you can listen in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe directly from the app. And if you're listening in any other podcast app, it just takes two taps, and you will be listening just as you are now, directly from your favorite podcast player. Head to soundsleeppodcast.com or look in the show notes for more information. I really hope you enjoy this week's story. If you'd like to tell me what you think, feel free to let me know with a review and a rating. Or send me a message on Instagram or in the Facebook group. Associate their bedrooms with frustration and sleepless nights. A podcast can counteract this, distracting from troubling or anxious thoughts and encouraging the physical and mental relaxation needed to fall asleep. All of the audio you hear in this podcast is uniquely curated with methods that promote healthy and quality sleep. Looking for even more stories to listen to and fall asleep with? Check out one of my favorites, Dreamful. Jordan has an amazing selection of the best stories and perfectly pairs them with music that she personally 
selects. You'll be snoozing in no time to pride and prejudice. The wonderful Wizard of Oz. Or you could easily get hooked on her 12-part Constellation series. Check out Dreamful wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Coach Me Greg. If you're like me, you have a lot of big ideas and plans. You want to be productive and get fulfillment out of your life. And if you're like me, you may feel like sometimes you need a little help to be your best, to keep you on target and motivated so you can achieve what you set out to do. So if you're like me, well, then you should go to coachmegreg.com. I've received tremendous value from working with Greg. He's easy to talk with, and there's no judgment. I can count on him to help me find the best solution and schedule. He makes everything very easy, and I find it very helpful to have someone I can trust working with me and rooting for me as I try to get the most out of life that I can. Go to coachmegreg.com. Schedule your free consultation today. Take a long, deep breath. Fill up your lungs and hold it. Then exhale easily and gently as your body sinks into the bed. Your muscles are relaxing as you lay comfortably in your sheets. Take another deep breath and hold. And as you exhale slowly, allow your responsibilities, your worries and fears to leave your body. Leave nothing but calm and comfort. As you listen to the story, if at any point you feel ready to doze off, go right ahead and allow the story to bring you to a sound sleep. Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp 
part two. The Sultan then turned to Aladdin's mother, saying, Good woman, a Sultan must remember his promises, and I will remember mine. But your son must first send me forty basins of gold, brimful of jewels, carried by forty black slaves, led by as many white ones, splendidly dressed. Tell him that I await his answer. The mother of Aladdin bowed low and went home, thinking all was lost. She gave Aladdin the message, adding, He may wait long enough for your answer. Not so long, mother, as you think, her son replied. I would do a great deal more than that for the princess. He summoned the genie, and in a few moments the eighty slaves arrived and filled up the small house and garden. Aladdin made them set out to the palace, two and two, followed by his mother. They were so richly dressed, with such splendid jewels in their girdles, that everyone crowded to see them in the basins of gold they carried on their heads. They entered the palace, and after kneeling before the Sultan, stood in a half-circle round the throne with their arms crossed, while Aladdin's mother presented them to the Sultan. He hesitated no longer but said, Good woman, return and tell your son that I wait for him with open arms. She lost no time in telling Aladdin, bidding him make haste. But Aladdin first called the genie. I want a scented bath, he said, richly embroidered clothing, a horse surpassing the sultan's, and twenty slaves to attend me. Besides this, six slaves, beautifully dressed, to wait on my mother, and lastly, Ten thousand pieces of gold in ten purses. No sooner said than done, Aladdin mounted his horse and passed through the streets, the slaves strewing gold as they went. Those who had played with him in his childhood did not know him, for he had grown so handsome. When the Sultan saw him, he came down from his throne, embraced him, and led him into the hall where a feast was spread, intending to marry him to the princess that very day. But Aladdin refused, saying, I must build a palace fit for her, and took his leave. Once home, he said to the genie, Build me a palace of the finest marble, set with jasper, 
and other precious stones. In the middle you shall build me a large hall with a dome, its four walls of large amounts of gold and silver, each side having six windows, whose lattices, all except one, which is to be left unfinished, must be set with diamonds and rubies. There must be stables and horses and grooms and slaves. Go and see about it. The palace was finished by the next day, and the genie carried him there and showed him all his orders faithfully carried out. Even to the laying of a velvet carpet from Aladdin's palace to the Sultan's. Aladdin's mother then dressed herself carefully and walked to the palace with her slaves while he followed her on horseback. The Sultan sent musicians with trumpets and cymbals to meet them, so that the air resounded with music and cheers. She was taken to the princess, who saluted her and treated her with great honor. At night, the princess said goodbye to her father and set out on the carpet for Aladdin's palace with his mother at her side and followed by the hundred slaves. She was charmed at the sight of Aladdin who ran to receive her. Princess, he said, blame your beauty for my boldness if I have displeased you. She told him that, having seen him, she willingly obeyed her father in this matter. After the wedding had taken place, Aladdin led her into the hall, where a feast was spread, and she supped with him, after which they danced till midnight. Next day, Aladdin invited the Sultan to see the palace. On entering the hall with the four and twenty windows, with their rubies, diamonds, and emeralds, he cried, It is a world's wonder. There is only one thing that surprises me. Was it by accident that one window was left unfinished? No, sir, by design returned Aladdin. I wished your majesty to have the glory of finishing this palace. The Sultan was pleased and sent for the best jewelers in the city. He showed them the unfinished window and bade them fit it up like the others. Sir, replied their spokesman, we cannot find enough jewels. The Sultan had his own fetched, which they soon used, but to no purpose, for in a month's time the work was not half done. Aladdin, knowing that their task was vain, bade them undo their work and carry the jewels back and the genie finished the window at his command. The Sultan 
was surprised to receive his jewels again and visited Aladdin who showed him the window finished the Sultan embraced him the envious vizier meanwhile hinting that it was the work of enchantment Aladdin had won the hearts of the people by his gentle bearing he was made captain of the Sultan's armies and won several battles for him but remained modest and courteous as before and lived thus in peace and content for several years but far away in Africa the magician remembered Aladdin and by his magic arts discovered that Aladdin instead of perishing miserably in the cave had escaped and had married a princess with whom he was living in great honor and wealth he knew that the poor tailor's son could only have accomplished this by means of the lamp and traveled night and day till he reached the capital of China bent on Aladdin's ruin as he passed through the town he heard people talking everywhere about a marvelous palace forgive my ignorance he asked what is this palace you speak of have you not heard of Prince Aladdin's palace was the reply the greatest wonder of the world I will direct you if you have a mind to see it the magician thanked him who spoke and having seen the palace he knew that it had been raised by the genie of the lamp and became half mad with rage he determined to get hold of the lamp and again plunge Aladdin into the deepest poverty unlikely Aladdin had gone hunting for eight days which gave the magician plenty of time he bought a dozen copper lamps put them into a basket and went to the palace crying new lamps for old followed by a jeering crowd the princess sitting in the hall of four and twenty windows sent a slave to find out what the noise was about who came back laughing so that the princess scolded her madam replied the slave who can help laughing to see an old fool offering to exchange fine new lamps for old ones another slave hearing this said there is an old one on the cornice there which he can have now this was the magic lamp which Aladdin had left there as he could not take it out hunting with him the princess not knowing its value laughingly bade the slave take it and make the exchange 
she went and said to the magician, Give me a new lamp for this. He snatched it and bade the slave take her choice amid the cheers of the crowd. Little he cared, but left off crying his lamps and went out of the city gates to a lonely place where he remained till nightfall. When he pulled out the lamp and rubbed it, the genie appeared, and at the magician's command carried him together with the palace and the princess in it to a lonely place in Africa. Next morning, the sultan looked out of the window towards Aladdin's palace and rubbed his eyes, for it was gone. He sent for the vizier and asked what had become of the palace. The vizier looked out too and was lost in astonishment. He again put it down to enchantment, and this time the sultan believed him and sent thirty men on horseback to fetch Aladdin in chains. They met him riding home, bound him, and forced him to go with them on foot. The people, however, who loved him, followed, armed to see that he came to no harm. He was carried before the sultan, who ordered the executioner to cut off his head. The executioner made Aladdin kneel down, bandaged his eyes, and raised his scimitar to strike. At that instant, the vizier, who saw that the crowd had forced their way into the courtyard and were scaling the walls to rescue Aladdin, called to the executioner to stay his hand. The people, indeed, looked so threatening that the sultan gave way and ordered Aladdin to be unbound, and pardoned him in the sight of the crowd. Aladdin now begged to know what he had done. False wretch, said the sultan, come hither, and showed him from the window the place where his palace had stood. Aladdin was so amazed that he could not say a word. Where is my palace and my daughter? demanded the sultan. For the first, I am not so deeply concerned, but my daughter I must have, and you must find her, or lose your head. Aladdin begged for forty days in which to find her, promising if he failed to return and suffer death at the sultan's pleasure. His prayer was granted and went forth sadly from the sultan's presence. For three days he wandered about like a madman, asking everyone what had become of his palace. But they only laughed and pitied him. He came to the banks of a river and knelt down to say his prayers before throwing himself in. 
In so doing, he rubbed the magic ring he still wore. The genie he had seen in the cave appeared and asked his will. Save my life, genie, said Aladdin, and bring my palace back. That is not in my power, said the genie. I am only the slave of the ring. You must ask the slave of the lamp. Even so, said Aladdin, but you can take me to the palace and set me down under my dear wife's window. He had once found himself in Africa under the window of the princess and fell asleep out of sheer weariness. He was awakened by the singing of the birds, and his heart was lighter. He saw plainly that all his misfortunes were owing to the loss of the lamp, and vainly wondered who had robbed him of it. That morning, the princess rose earlier than she had done since she had been carried into Africa by the magician, whose company she was forced to endure once a day. She, however, treated him so harshly that he dared not live there altogether. As she was dressing, one of her women looked out and saw Aladdin. The princess ran and opened the window, and at the noise she made, Aladdin looked up. She called to him to come to her, and great was the joy of these lovers at seeing each other again. After he had kissed her, Aladdin said, I beg of you, princess, in God's name, before we speak of anything else, for your own sake and mine, tell me what has become of an old lamp I left on the cornice in the hall of four-and-twenty windows when I went a-hunting. Alas, she said, I am the innocent cause of our sorrows, and told him of the exchange of the lamp. Now I know, cried Aladdin, that we have to thank the African magician for this. Where is the lamp? carries it about with him, said the princess. I know, for he pulled it out of his breast to show me. He wishes me to break my faith with you and marry him, saying that you were beheaded by my father's command. He is forever speaking ill of you, but I only reply by my tears. If I persist, I doubt that he will use his violence. Aladdin comforted her and left her for a while. He changed clothes with the first person he met in the town, and having bought a certain powder, returned to the princess, who let him in by a little side door. Put on your most beautiful dress, he said to her and receive the magician with smiles, leading him to believe that you have forgotten me. 
invite him to dine with you, and say you wish to taste the wine of his country. He will go for some, and while he is gone, I will tell you what to do. She listened carefully to Aladdin, and when he left her arrayed herself gaily for the first time since she left China. She put on a girdle and a headdress of diamonds, and seeing in a mirror that she looked more beautiful than ever, received the magician, saying to his great amazement, I have made up my mind that Aladdin is dead, and that all my tears will not bring him back to me. So I am resolved to mourn no more, and have therefore invited you to sup with me. But I am tired of the wines of China, and would be pleased to taste those of Africa. The magician flew to his cellar, and the princess put the powder Aladdin had given her in her cup. When he returned, she asked him to drink her health in the wine of Africa, handing him her cup in exchange for his, as a sign she was reconciled to him. Before drinking, the magician made her a speech in praise of her beauty, but the princess cut him short, saying, Let me drink first, and you shall say what you will afterwards. She set her cup to her lips and kept it there, while the magician drained his to the dregs and fell back lifeless. The princess then opened the door to Aladdin and flung her arms around his neck. But Aladdin put her away, bidding her to leave him as he had more to do. He then went to the dead magician, took the lamp out of his vest, and bade the genie carry the palace and all in it back to China. This was done, and the princess and her chamber only felt two little shocks, and a little thought she was at home again. The sultan, who was sitting in his closet, mourning for his lost daughter, happened to look up and rubbed his eyes, for there stood the palace as before. He hastened thither, and Aladdin received him in the hall of the four and twenty windows, with the princess at his side. Aladdin told him what had happened, and showed him the dead body of the magician, that he might believe. A ten days' feast was proclaimed, and it seemed as if Aladdin might now live the rest of his life in peace. But it was not to be. The African magician had a younger brother, who was, if possible, more wicked and more cunning than himself. He traveled to China to avenge his brother's death, and to visit a pious woman called Fatima, thinking she might be of use to him. 
he entered her cell and clapped a dagger to her breast, telling her to rise and do his bidding on pain of death. He changed clothes with her, colored his face like hers, put on her veil, and murdered her, that she might tell no tales. Then he went towards the palace of Aladdin, and all the people thinking he was the holy woman, gathered round him, kissing his hands, and begging his blessing. When he got to the palace, there was such a noise going on round him, that the princess bade her slave look out of the window, and ask what was the matter. The slave said, it was the holy woman, curing people by her touch of their ailments. Whereupon the princess, who had long desired to see Fatima, sent for her. On coming to the princess, the magician offered up a prayer for her health and prosperity. When he had done, the princess made him sit by her and begged him to stay with her always. The false Fatima, who wished for nothing better, consented, but kept his veil down for fear of discovery. The princess showed him the hall and asked him what he thought of it. It is truly beautiful, said the false Fatima. In my mind, it wants but one thing. And what is that? said the princess. If only a rock's egg, replied he, were hung up from the middle of this stone. It would be the wonder of the world. After this, the princess could think of nothing but a rock's egg. And when Aladdin returned from hunting, he found her in a very ill humor. He begged to know what was amiss, and she told him that all her pleasure in the hall was spoiled for the want of a rock's egg hanging from the dome. If that is all, replied Aladdin, you shall soon be happy. He left her and rubbed the lamp, and when the genie appeared, commanded him to bring a rock's egg. The genie gave such a loud and terrible shriek that the hall shook. Wretch, he cried, is it not enough that I have done everything for you? But you must command me to bring my master and hang him up in the midst of this dome. You and your wife and your palace deserve to be burnt to ashes. But this request does not come from you, but from the brother of the African magician whom you destroyed. He is now in your palace disguised as the holy woman whom he murdered. It was he who put that wish 
into your wife's head. Take care of yourself, for he means to kill you. So saying, the genie disappeared. Aladdin went back to the princess, saying his head ached, and requesting that the holy Fatima should be fetched to lay her hands on it. But when the magician came near, Aladdin, seizing his dagger, pierced him to the heart. What have you done? cried the princess. You have killed the holy woman. Not so, replied Aladdin, but a wicked magician, and told her of how she had been deceived. After this, Aladdin and his wife lived in peace. He succeeded the Sultan when he died, and reigned for many years, leaving behind him a long line of kings. <laughs>